are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Turn your Bibles, please, right there at home, 1 Thessalonians 3, chapter 3, verse 1. And I'll read it to verse 4. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. Our Heavenly Father, we do ask your blessings now in the service tonight. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. God, please speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul, in the last part of chapter 2, was telling the Christians in Thessalonica how he longed to see them again, but was hindered by Satan. Uh, in verse 17 of chapter 2, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short, short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. By the way, that's pastor's heart right now, and that's our heart right now. We greatly desire to see you again. Wherefore, we'd have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. He wanted to know how they were doing, and when he could no longer take it, he sent Timothy to find out how they were doing and to comfort them in their situation. Paul told them that afflictions and tribulation were part of the Christian life. We read that in chapter, verse 3 and verse 4 of chapter 3. Timothy comes back with encouraging news. The Christians in Thessalonica were doing well spiritually. We see that in verse 6. There's a phrase I would like for us to look tonight as our text, and that's found in verse 4. Four words tucked in that verse that every one of you should, uh, um, I'm sorry, verse uh, 4 right here. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as, next four words, it came to pass. It came to pass. Obviously, whatever afflictions, tribulation um, Paul was talking about uh, or they were going through came to pass. Reading this thousands of years later, of course, it's done. It came to pass. And oftentimes uh, during uh, times like this, going through hard times, we tell people, you know what? Don't worry about it. This will come to pass. By the way, it will come to pass. But let us not waste the lesson that God is teaching us in the trials. Yes, it will come to pass. But why did it come to us to begin with? Let's not waste the lesson there. Tonight, we'll take a look at that phrase and apply it in several areas. First of all, let's talk about what's already been mentioned. Our trials, our hardships, the storms of life. We will have them, but they will come to pass. Whatever we're going through right now will come to pass. But let me say also this. Another storm is probably on the way. And then after that, another storm. Why? That's just part of life. I mean, just, just deal. It is what it is. That's life. And God has made it that way. Um, uh, you know, I'm sorry, that may sound pessimistic, but it's just part of the Christian life. You know, uh, sometimes we sing songs about heaven and equate heaven with Canaan. But Canaan does not represent heaven. 
Canaan represents our life on earth. And by the way, our life on earth based on our disobedience or obedience to God. That's what Canaan is. You see, uh, uh, the Israelites still had battles to fight in Canaan. They won many battles, but they also lost some. AI comes to mind. The Israelites failed miserably when they spared the lives of the Gimeonites in Joshua chapter 9. By the way, uh, if you study that out, it's the whole book of Judges was as a result of Joshua chapter 9. When they spared the Gibeonites, and after that they could not uh, cast out the enemies of God anymore. As the Israelites went through Canaan conquering the land, they were not able to expel many of the inhabitants, which became a snare or a spiritual trap to them years later. No, Canaan does not represent heaven, but it does represent the Christian life. You see, it represents the storms, the failures, the victories that we have here while we're living in obedience to God or disobedience to God. So the Christian life, yes, we'll have struggles, we'll have setbacks, we'll have trials and testings. But let's not miss the lesson that God has for us. The testings were meant to bring people closer to God. That's what storms are for. And so it is with the Christian. Trials will come and trials will go and trials will come and trials will go. But the lesson God wants us to understand and learn is that I want you to get closer to me. I want you to be right with me. Perhaps no other Christian in the New Testament suffered more than the Apostle Paul. Paul, in addressing the church in Corinth, by the way, the church in Corinth was a very carnal church, uh, thought it necessary to somewhat uh, show them his credentials before they would listen to them. And he, he told them, he says, you know, I speak as a fool, he said. But uh, since you're not listening to me, let me tell you a little bit about me. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul tells them, let me be a fool for a moment and tell you why you should listen to me. Yeah, he then lists all the trials that he's been through. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes of measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, off. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. We think we have it hard. Listen to what just Paul said. I mean, three times alone, shipwrecked. He said, one whole night I spent in the deep, he said. He continues in chapter 12, says he always caught up in paradise and saw things that he could not uh, uh, divulge or explain he then tells us his thorn in the flesh, an illness that he suffered with, how he asked God three times to heal him. But the reason God did not, he says, unless I should be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh in the messenger, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Twice in one verse, he says, lest I be exalted above measure. Paul must have struggled with pride just like you and I. And he says, God, let me have the thorn. Why? So I can learn humility, he says. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace, my grace is sufficient for thee. 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Not only I want you to be humble, Paul, I want you to learn to depend upon me. My grace is sufficient for thee. And then Paul says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, he says, then am I strong. Let's not miss what God is doing in the storms of life. Paul told us why the storms come. You see, the storms come so we can learn to depend on God and not on our own strength. The storms come to teach us that without God, we can do nothing. The storms come to teach us humility before God. The storms come to teach us that we really have no control over our own lives. The storms come to teach us that God should be the one in control of our lives. That's what the purpose of the storm is. Yes, the storms will come, and they will go. It will come to pass. And then another storm come. But are we learning the lesson? The storms that came through Paul's life was there to teach him humility and dependence upon God and looking to God and realizing that it's God. It's all about him, he said, that I may know him, the Bible says. Yes, the storm will come to pass, but let's not fail to catch what God is teaching us in the storm. We should be getting closer to God, not further away from Him. We should be more humble before God, more dependent upon God. We should be loving God more and realizing how much He really loves us. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it will come to pass, which is but for a moment, he says, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And by the way, if we're living for God, God says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his promise. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. Are we learning the lessons? Are we learning the lessons? Or is God wasting the storm? We have a political party. Their motto is, you know, don't let a crisis go to waste. But let me say, I tell you this. When God, in dealing with storms, that's exactly what he's doing. He says, don't let this storm go to waste. I sent it to you so you be humble before me. So you learn dependence upon me. So you learn to trust me. I can trust Jesus. Amen. I can't trust Jesus. My Lord knows the way to the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Are we learning the lesson of the storm? The storms will come. It will come to pass. And another one comes after that. But God says, don't look at the storm. Look at what I'm trying to teach. Are we learning what the storm is teaching? This storm will come to pass. Are we learning to draw closer to God, be humble, dependent, and have faith in God and His power? So for the Christian tonight, may I say this storm will come to pass. It will. It will. And just Paul says, my grace is sufficient for thee. God always supplies. You know what? If you were right with God, God takes care of His children. God always takes care of His children. It will come to pass. Now, if you're listening tonight, you're a child of God, but you're away from God. 
you're in rebellion to God. May I say this, the judgment for sin will come to pass. The judgment for sin will come to pass. I was recently listening to a famous sermon by R.G. Lee. Payday, someday. Payday, someday. Hey, uh, I didn't realize this, but he preached that message a thousand times. And one time uh, towards the end of his life, I think he was 92 years old, he was mugged and he was beaten and uh, he was on his way to church and, uh, and to preach that message. And uh, so he, he, he cleaned himself up, went to church. I mean, he, he passed, they passed him up and he preached payday someday. As a 92-year-old man, in that sermon, he mentioned Ahab and Jezebel. The Bible tells us that King Ahab did worse than all the kings that were before him. Imagine having that as a label to your name. You're worse than everybody before you. But that was King Ahab. But not only that, the Bible says, as if he had not been a light thing uh, for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal. So not only was he worst king, now he marries the worst kind. You see, loser, amen? But uh, that's, that's what Ahab was. Ahab was a wicked king. He was not. By the way, Ahab believed in God. There was one point in his life he humbled himself before God and God withheld judgment. God knew, Ahab knew God. But he rebelled against God and served the false god Baal. One day, Ahab coveted the vineyard of Naboth. And Naboth, because of Jewish law, cannot sell his vineyard. It was his family's forever. And yet uh, Ahab wanted that vineyard. And Naboth said, no, I can't sell you my vineyard. And, uh, and Ahab pouted and went back to his room and sucked his thumb and, said, and cries, I can't get Naboth's vineyard. And his wife heard it and said, aren't you the king? Here, let me do it for you. So she had Naboth charged with a false crime and put to death. When Jezebel told Ahab that Naboth is dead, he took possession of the vineyard. But God was watching. And God sent a man of God named Elijah. And the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he's in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Judgment is coming, Ahab. You should have known better. Judgment is coming. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. And by the way, Elijah also pronounced judgment on Jezebel at that time. But you say, but they didn't die right away. But I can imagine Ahab being nervous. That first week, the Bible says, with the dogs, the dogs will lick your blood. And somebody said, you know, I don't think Ahab heard a door, door, uh, dog bark where he didn't jump. But after a while, time passes. A month, two months, three months, six months, nothing happens. He said, well, after a while, I would imagine if he got comfortable. But then we read, we read this. 1 Kings 22.2 And it came to pass in the third year 
See, that's not God doing anything. Jehoshaphat visits Ahab. Ahab says, Ramoth is ours. Let's go conquer it. And Jehoshaphat said, yeah, let's go do it. What Ahab did not know was he's going to die in that battle. In fact, God reminds him and uses a prophet named Micaiah. Ahab says, I don't like Micaiah. Why? Because he never says anything I like. That's the prophet you want, man. He says, I don't like what he says. He's always negative against me. And I think he realized, ooh, three years ago, Elijah said, I'm going to die. Okay, here's what I'll do. Jehoshaphat, keep your king's clothes on. I still can't figure out why Jehoshaphat did not figure it out. I said, why me? How about you? You know, and, 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 and is Jehoshaphat stupid? But, uh, but says, you keep your king, uh, king's clothes on. I'll wear just ordinary outfit, soldier's outfit. And then I guess he's thinking, well, I got away with it in th- for three years now. I can get away one more time. But he didn't realize that that was his final battle. The Bible says, the king of Syria said to his 32 captains, he says, I don't want you to fight with great or small. I want you to look for the king of Israel, and I want you to find him, and I want you to kill him. And since Jehoshaphat had the king's clothes, uh, they thought, oh, surely that's the king of of Israel. And when Jehoshaphat cried out, they said, no, that's not the king of Israel. And then the Bible says, and it came to pass when the captains of the chariots perceived that he was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. Ahab was one verse from judgment. Because the next verse says, And a certain man drew a bow at a venture, and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Wherefore he said unto the driver's chariot, Turn thine hand, and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And by the way, he died that day. Three years! But judgment finally came. See, Ahab thought he was the exception. And so many Christians today, you know you're not living right. You know you're away from God. And you know you're doing things that you should not be doing. But you're saying, well, I've gotten away with it so far. Oh, don't forget, the Bible says, and it came to pass in the third year. Ahab did not know it, but that was his last battle. The storm will come to pass. If we're not right with God, the judgment for sin will come to pass. There's no exceptions. This life of ours will come to pass. Only one life so so soon will pass, and only what's done for Christ will last. Only one chance to do his will, so give to Jesus all your days. It's the only life that pays when you recall you have but one life. The life lived for God is not a wasted life. The Bible says, Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Live for eternal values, heavenly values. What God thinks is important, not what we think is important. May I also say this, we should live so the next generation is blessed by God through us.
The Bible says in Genesis 25, 11, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son, Isaac. Will our children be blessed by the choices we have made when our life comes to pass? This life will come to pass. Let's live it for the next generation. Let's live it for heavenly values. The judgment of sin will come to pass. Are you living in rebellion to God? Get it right before it's too late because it will come to pass. Always does. Don't confuse the, holy, uh, the long-suffering of God with His holiness. He is both. Just because He's long-suffering does not mean He's not holy. This storm will come to pass. Allow God to use it to get us closer to Him. Now let me close with this. Yes, this life will come to pass. And if we're not careful, the judgment of sin will catch up to us and will come to pass. And yes, this storm will come to pass. Let's learn the lesson. But may I tell you of some things that will never come to pass. Let me tell you about a place that will never come to pass. Heaven will never come to pass. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on the other side of the river was there the tree of life. And then verse 5, it says, and there shall be no night there, the Bible says. There's no more death, no more sickness, and there shall be no night there. I, used to, I always associate no night there with the sickness and the death, but it never dawned on me. God says, there's no night there. Why? The day never ends, man. It's one eternal day. It never ends. There's no night there. That's why you're not going to say, and it came to pass the next day in heaven, and it came to pass the next month in heaven. No, it's one eternal day. It never comes to pass, amen. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah, amen. Have you ever had such a good time and said, I wish this day would never end, man. But you know what? Up in heaven, that day will never end. There is no night there, amen. It's one eternal day. Woo! Praise God. Hey, man. The word of God will never come to pass. Heaven, that's the atmosphere, the sky. You see, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The promises of God will be just as good in eternity as they are today. They never change, and they never will pass. That's why we need to anchor ourselves on the word of God. It's true, and it's faithful, and it's eternal. Amen. Praise God. Jesus will never come to pass. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. Woo! Today and forever. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Jesus will never come to pass. The word of God will never come to pass. Heaven will never come to pass. One eternal day. Let's not keep our eyes on this world. It will pass away. The storm that's come will come to pass. Our life will come to pass. And if we're not right with God, judgment is coming. Oh, but let's not focus on those things. Let's look at those things that never pass. Our eternal home, our Bible, our Savior. 
Though the angry surges roll on my te tempest-driven soul, I'm peaceful for I know wildly low the winds may blow. I have an anchor safe and sure that can evermore endure my anchor. Holds. Nothing in this world lasts. By the way, if you're watching and you're not saved, you don't know for sure you're going to heaven. The Bible says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and the rich man also died. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. The Bible says the beggar was brought to Abraham's bosom. The rich man woke up in hell and it came to pass. If you're not saved, Get saved. You're not guaranteed another day. What is salvation? Salvation is simply realizing that we're sinners. Because of our sins, we're on our way to hell. And that Jesus Christ, who died for us on Calvary, paid our sin debt. And if we would trust him and only him to take us to heaven, he would. He'll give us eternal life. Nothing in this world lasts. That's why you see 453 times in the Bible it says, it came to pass. Because it's all temporary. But you don't see that in heaven. You don't see and it came to pass in heaven. Set your affections on things above, not on things on earth. For the things we see are temporal. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.